just have to waste If they are stilled at the mention of his name They'll say my God is still the same as the walls If they still fall at the mighty sound of praise They'll say my God is still the same When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? Never has, never will Good morning. It's great to see everyone back here, and we are always, we just take us for granted, but we are blessed that we can come together and join our hearts together and freely worship our great and mighty God. And this morning, I want to welcome you, and on the tail end of that song that our choir just sang in Hebrews 13, verse 8, just simply says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the reason we can have hope. That's an anchor that will not move, and I hope that your faith and your trust is in the risen Savior this morning. But we do want to welcome you here to the service today. If you're visiting with us today, we would encourage you to pick up a guest bag. If, as you walk down the hallway, as the hallway you came in, 
and to the right in the lobby, you'll find a television there, and there's a bunch of bags there. If you're visiting and would like more information on our church, please stop by there. We would also encourage you to fill out the guest card that's either in your bulletin or there's one there at the table. And then you can also scan the QR code and fill that out digitally. But we would love to have a record of your visit. But right now, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And one correction as you stand. In your bulletin, if you happen to read that this morning, it says that next Sunday we will be in the sanctuary, but it's actually going to be May the 21st. We'll be having a baptism service. Jamie will mention more about that here in just a moment. But just uh, make that note that that will be uh, not next Sunday, and the Sunday after that's Mother's Day in here, but the 21st. But take a minute, just uh, take just a minute and welcome your neighbor to the service. And if you haven't met them yet, introduce yourself and make them feel welcome.
Thank you. As we come to this time of prayer, I just want to thank uh, our staff. I want to thank our choir um, and how they minister to families in this church. As many of you know, Amanda Simpson's husband, Rodney, died last week. Rodney always sat right there every Sunday. We're in the sanctuary. He always sat to my left. He was, he was here basically every Sunday. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for how you've ministered to her. I want to thank Sharon. Thank you guys for your attendance. It's a blessing. You don't know how that helps people unless you're in that situation. So thank, I want to thank you for that. Uh, thank our church for that. Continue to remember Amanda and uh, Emily, Hillary, Becca, Jeremy in your prayers. Rodney's brother Bobby is uh, blessed to, to meet with him. But uh, continue to remember them in prayers. Also Donna Mayberry's father passed away this past week. Uh, this little county's been hit hard in the last uh, several months, so a lot of people need your prayers. Um, this altar time is to pray for other people, but it's also to pray for yourself and to ask God for His grace and His strength in your life. So as uh, the choir leads us in this time of praise, if you will, meet me here at the altar, and let's lift these families up in prayer this morning. Thank you. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Father, for your grace. Father, we're saved by grace. Father, we're sustained throughout life's ups and downs by grace. And Father, you tell us that for each day, your grace is sufficient for everything we face. And Father, so many families in our little community, Lord, have had loved ones to pass away. And Father, I pray for your grace in their lives. Father, the, the next name lifted up may be one of ours. And Father, I'm so thankful as a church family we could pray for each other. Father, there may be in this congregation this morning who needs your grace, and I pray that you would abundantly pour it out on their lives. And Father, I'm so thankful that we can come to the throne of grace and to boldly approach you because of the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to tell you that we love you this morning and pray that you continue to bless and help us in this service, Father. And we'll forever thank you and praise you for what you alone can do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
the things that I have held dear, the vanities that whispered in my ear. What would I do if they all disappeared? Riches and fame and all that they could buy, I've come to find they never satisfy. What would I gain if my soul's the prize? I don't want to love what the world loves. I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. I only want you. First things first, I seek your will, not my own. Surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first thing first. To live your truth, walk your ways, set my eyes. Lord, I fix my face on you. All my desires reversed to keep the first thing first. I give it all, my life an offering. My heart is yours, so have your way in me. Your kingdom's all I want to see. I don't want to love what the world loves. No, I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. I only want you. First things first, I seek your will. the first thing first to live your truth walk your ways set my eyes lord i fix my face on you all my desires reversed to keep the first thing first to keep the first thing first
Thank you, choir. As they're going down, I just want to mention or reiterate something Kevin said. On May 21st, um, of course, we'll be in the sanctuary. And also, um, if we're going to have a baptismal service that day. So if you'd like to talk to one of the staff or myself about baptism, you can call the church office or just talk to us um, one Sunday after the service. We'd love to uh, talk with you about that. Also, if you're interested in church membership, um, please, in your bulletin, take out the care card. And if you'll fill that out and just check on there that you're interested in church membership. What we like to do before we have a class on a Sunday night is have um, several families that are willing to come. So if there's not enough interest in the class, and we interest varies throughout the year, then I'll just meet with families one-on-one uh, um, in my office, and we can, we can literally go over the class in 15 minutes if we need to. Uh, but that's for our benefit and your benefit as well. Any questions you have about the church, we like to let you know what we believe. Uh, we talk about policies and different things like that. Um, talk about the requirements for membership, which is your salvation, and also baptism by immersion to be a part of East Hillsville Baptist Church. So if you're interested in that, please um, uh, fill out that card, or you can call the church office as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and stand with me, if you will. We're going to talk about milk this morning. How important is milk in your life, okay? Uh, I think scientists or nutritionists will tell you that it's not as, uh, regular milk is not as important as you thought it was, but that's okay. It still doesn't hurt you to drink it. But notice what Peter says. It, it's amazing how Peter puts this. Notice the word therefore, and that goes back to our first point, okay? What it, therefore, because of everything in chapter 1, and I've just preached 11 messages in chapter 1. Because of all that, notice what Peter says. And I want you to think about Peter in the New Testament, all his ups and downs in Peter now. Peter has the moral authority to speak on this subject because his life has changed so much. Not only did God save him, but think about how spiritually mature Peter is. I mean, it's amazing. Peter, who was brash and arrogant and was just ready to do anything and never followed through, he writes this, Therefore, because of all these things... Laying aside, now notice what he says. Look at the word all, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, because those three go together. Deceit leads to hypocrisy, which leads to envy. And all evil, evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And what he's saying is this, okay? If you claim to be a Christian, that's why the word if is there, okay? And you want to grow, number one, you must desire this book. You have to. It has to be a desire that you have like a newborn baby desires milk. And in order to grow, Peter just out of the blue lists this first verse. Because what he's saying is this. Uh, in order to have a great vertical relationship with the Lord, your horizontal relationships have to be intact. Okay? So he tells us to desire the pure milk of the word. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, that it's through your word that we're saved. Lord, it's through your word that we grow. And Father, help us today to make a commitment, Lord, to grow spiritually and to be used by you for your honor and for your glory and for your kingdom. Also, Father, there may be many people here this morning who have never tasted the Lord and never seen that you're good. Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit that you would convict and draw lost people to yourself and save them for your honor and for your glory. 
In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said together. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Well, I think it was back in 2002. A lot of you probably remember the Got Milk campaign where they'd show literal normal people or, or average people that you didn't know. Then they'd show movie stars. They would show athletes. And they'd have the milk mustache and they'd say, Got Milk, because back then the milk sales were going down. But it turned out to be the Got Milk campaign was one of the top ten ad campaigns of all time. And if you read up on milk, Milk has a protein that can make you sleepy. Warm milk can make you sleepy. And there's an Old Testament story of a lady by the name of Jael who got a person sleepy, and then he was an enemy of God, and then she snuck up on him and drove a tent peg through his temple. It's a blessing. You need to read that story sometime. Rich folk in Jesus' day would bathe in milk. I hear that one cow can produce up to 200,000 glasses of milk in their lifetime. A cow's udder holds between 25 and 50 pounds of milk. Now, I don't know for, from experience, but that's just what I read. They say if you eat spicy foods, milk is the best beverage to use to cool your mouth because it has certain proteins that can cleanse the taste bud. Either way, just as newborn babies desire milk for food, we need to desire God's Word. Listen, physical growth and health are reliant upon proper nutrition. For instance... If you eat things like meat, steak, chicken, fish, eggs, they're a great source of vitamins and proteins and vegetables. You eat that and you'll be in great health. Pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty simple. If that's what you want, it's that simple. Spiritually speaking, to grow, you just, it's pretty simple. You just need the Bible. You need the Bible. It's really that simple. God makes things in life really simple. Read this book. Listen to this book being sung. Listen to this book being taught and preached, and you'll grow spiritually. It's a fact. And when Peter writes these people scattered throughout modern Turkey, over 750,000 square miles, and they're going through trials and eventually suffering and persecution, what a blessing this book is. I think in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says it's like a light that shines in a dark place. And what he's trying to warn them is dark times are coming. And when they come, what do you look to? Do you look to the things of the world? Do you, look to, do you look to drugs or alcohol? Do you look to those things? God's, God tells us that every person on the planet, you're going to go through some deep, dark valleys. And what's going to pull you through that? All right? And he says if you want to grow, there are certain things you want to do. Notice the first thing. Real simple. He says to read, study, and trust the Bible. When he says, therefore, it takes us back. Notice to chapter 1, he makes this statement. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. In the Bible, amazing book, notice what the psalmist says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. He says, in your life, you can stand with wicked people. You can walk with wicked people and eventually you'll sit down with them. He says, blessed is the one who does not do that, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night, he said that person, that person contrasts the other, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Job said this, I have treasured the words of God's mouth more than my necessary food. Jeremiah the prophet says this, who lives through some very dark days. He says, when your words, talking about the Lord, came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. 
Paul writing to Timothy about the importance of Scripture and being a pastor and preaching God's Word. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And I always tell preachers, preachers, just preach the Bible. Jesus said this, Heaven and earth will pass away, and it will. He says, But my words will not ever pass away. After Jesus rose from the dead, and he wanted to even prove then who he was, the Bible says that he began with Moses and all the prophets, which is the Old Testament, and he interpreted them to, in all the scriptures the things concerned, concerning himself. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I think it was said, uh, one, one scholar studied, and uh, there's 1,800 verses that Jesus spoke, and out of those 1,800 verses, 10% of those is, is a direct quote of the Bible. Notice what Peter says. He says, God's word is, look at the word incorruptible. That means imperishable. That means permanent. Uh, that is in con contrast to where he says that our flesh is like grass. We're going to die, and, we're, and our, our bodies will die and be put in the ground, but the, God's word is incorruptible. And Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says there are three incorruptible things that we have in this first chapter. In verse 4, our inheritance is incorruptible. In verse 18 and 19, God's redemption through the shed blood of Jesus is incorruptible. And then Peter comes down here and says that this book is incorruptible. It's the same word that Paul uses when he talks about our future uh, glorified body. Paul says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable or incorruptible. Jesus affirms the, the Bible's inspiration, inerrancy, authority, historicity, veracity, and sufficiency. And Peter says this, that you've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Look at the word born again. That means that that means to be given a new birth. And this describes a regeneration. That's something you can't do for yourself. You can't do it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says that we're saved through the shed blood of Jesus, the word through. He talks about the Holy Spirit. We're saved through the Holy Spirit. And here he says we're saved through the word of God. All three take place when you're saved. Somebody shares the word the Holy, about the re redemption that we have. The Holy Spirit works through that and opens blinded eyes, and then you're saved. It's, a, it's a, the act of the Holy Spirit imparting new life in us. The Greek participle, having been born again, J.I. Packer says, is passive, pointing to God's action in a new birth. James, the Lord's brother, says this, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of God. I heard H.B. Charles say this one time, Whenever the Bible, wherever the Bible has gone, and the good news about Jesus recorded in the Bible has been preached, whether among a savage tribe or a sophisticated, educated culture, the miracle of the new birth has taken place. People are transformed inwardly by God's power through His Word. I was talking to a pastor one time, and he said that growing up, he was in a very evangelical church that preached the Bible. He said when he was, I think he was, when he was a child, he was baptized. Went to youth camp as he got older, he was baptized. Right before he went to college, he surrendered into ministry and was baptized. And then he said he went to university, was in college ministries. And then he said, you know what happened? 
This is, this is his testimony, not mine. He says, every day to school, I would listen to a, to a pastor preach, and he preached out of 1 John. And he says, by the time he got to the fourth chapter, he says, in my opinion, for the first time, as a 20-something-year-old young man, I gave my life to Jesus, and I was baptized, okay? And he said, through that, he said, through that, God, God basically gave me the assurance of my salvation through the Word of God as it was preached, okay? And notice what he says, now this word by which the gospel was preached to you, and what Peter is telling the, his listeners is this, the Word of God will work through the Holy Spirit of God to bring about salvation. Now notice what he says in chapter 2, verse 3. He says, because of that, he says, God gives you a desire. He says, the word, look at the word newborn. Newborn babes. He says, as newborn babes, now notice how this is put. The word newborn means born just now. The word babe refers to an unborn baby. The picture is that of a just-born baby coming out of the mother's womb. And Peter uses this dramatic picture of a newborn infant to emphasize the baby's natural, instinctive, and strong desire for milk when children are born. Notice, they don't want a happy meal, do they? They will. Okay, I get four or five happy meals a week. They will. They don't want a PlayStation. They will. They don't want an Xbox, but they will. They don't want to go to Disneyland. They probably will, eventually. They don't want an allowance, and they will, amen. They will, trust me, they will. And they don't want to borrow the keys to the car, but they will. A newborn baby just wants milk. That's all. And see, think about this. When God saved me, I had a strong desire for his word. I never read the Bible before God saved me. I tried to read the Bible, maybe once or twice. Then after God saved me, I didn't just read the Bible. I read books about the Bible. I had so many books, I would take them to work. I worked in furniture. At break time, I'd read the Bible, read books. I'd take notes about the books that I read. Okay? And what God did for me, it was like a newborn baby desiring milk. Now notice, he says, as a newborn baby, you long for the pure milk of the Word. Look at the word pure. Back in Peter's day, what they would do when they would sell milk because people were so wicked, they would water it down. They would water the milk down. You thought you had a gallon of milk. You only had half a gallon. And Peter says God's word is not like that. It is pure. Okay? It is not watered down. And I, I, I challenge people always to find the church where they don't water down the word. Amen? So many churches today are watering down the word. The Bible speaks to every aspect of life. The Bible speaks to creation. The Bible speaks to purpose in life. The Bible speaks to salvation. The Bible speaks to marriage. Every aspect of your marriage, God speaks to. Tonight in Bible study, we're going to see uh, part three of marriage series. He's going to talk about communication, how a husband and a wife should talk about, to each other. Very important. And I think Chip Egram talks about what you say is about 7% of it. How you say it and the tone you say it and the way you say it and the why you say it is the rest, 93% of it. Okay? The Bible speaks to all that. The Bible also speaks to gender issues. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Just science, right? And biology. Don't you love biology? Don't you love the Bible? The, see, it's the pure milk of the Word. And I would ask you this. Are you growing spiritually or are you just growing old? Are you growing spiritually or are you just growing old? Why do we sometimes not long for it? Notice the second thing Peter would say is this. Put away childish behavior. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says this, therefore, because of that, because you've been born again, 
by the word of God, he says you should lay aside, and that, that word laying aside means really to repent. It means that there should come a time in your life when you say, I'm not going to do after the word laying aside. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to make a decision in my life not to do it. And notice how Peter puts it. He, he, he uses the word all. And all, everything here you see are relational sins. You might call them horizontal sins because they touch on how we relate to others around us. And, and I like what one scholar said. He says, this is such childish behavior that keeps us from growing. It's childish behavior that keeps us from growing. One pastor speaking on this section says, it is the will of God to have the Spirit of God, to use the Word of God, to help the children of God to look like the Son of God. Unfortunately, many Christians suffer from malnutrition, arrested development, and juvenile delinquency. Consequently, many congregations are unproductive nurseries for carnal-minded babies rather than healthy families of spiritually mature Christians. And I stand to say that it is time to grow up. How we treat one another has a direct impact on our relationship with God. Think about this. As long as we harbor these relational sins and wrong attitudes, we'll never grow spiritually. These relational sins are like junk food of the soul. They choke off our craving for the Word so that instead of growing, we stay just like as we are. Have you ever heard your parents when you were growing up say, don't eat that, it'll ruin your supper, right? Don't eat that. You know, one of the things I love about going to the beach with our family, we, we have uh, like 20 of us stand in one house. I have to get a 10-bedroom house. I mean, we just do. But we eat well every night. But what I'll do sometimes, okay, and I love eating, especially, especially supper at night. I just love eating supper with all the family. But what I'll do sometimes to ruin my appetite is I'll take a pickled egg. You know what pickled eggs are? Aren't they good? Take a pickled egg and you spread... Uh, that spread cheese on it and eat it. You eat about seven or eight of those. And I'm telling you what, you can clear a room, okay? You can clear your digestive tract, clear it right out. And it'll, it'll hinder you from eating a good meal, trust me. Now think about this. Now think, you get up this morning, all right? You get up, you make up, you get to church, and this is what often happens. We'll come to church, and we'll hear the preacher, hear the singing, and leave, and if we're not careful, we'll do something like this. Well, wasn't that dead? I don't know, was it? See, what was dead for you might not be dead for somebody else. It might be life-giving, right? Oftentimes what I'll do, even, and, and I listen to a lot of preaching. <laughs> I go to some services, like a lot of times we go to the beach, we'll just do church at home. Just some bad, whatever. But sometimes it's me, right? Sometimes it's not the preacher, the singing, it's not anything, it's me. I'll tell you this, if you have malice toward your brother or sister, you're not going to get much out of what I say this morning. You're just not. You're, you're not. Look at that word malice. Peter says it's all malice. He's talking to Christians scattered throughout Asia Minor. And he says you get rid of all malice. Malice is a Greek word that refers to general bad behavior, a hateful spirit, an evil desire to hurt others. Paul said this to the church at Ephesus, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Listen, it describes a wickedness that comes from within like a vicious intention, a feeling of hostility, a strong dislike, including a desire to do harm to another person. Now, you never do it, but you desire to do it. Uh, look at Matt. You over think, boy, I, you know. Now, listen, if I felt that about Matt, am I going to sing like this? When a preacher's preaching, am I going to go, bring it, preacher? 
spring it, you're exposing in Scripture. I'm not, am I? Because I got malice toward Matt. And what Peter is saying here is very mature because Peter had this in his heart. He says, you got to get rid of that. You have to get rid of malice. I mean, an evil intention that you're not going to do it. See, malice nourishes antagonism, builds up grudges, and secretly hope that, re that revenge harms him. I pray a tragedy will strike this guy. Let me ask you a question. Do you hold a grudge against someone? You're going to struggle with God's word. You just are. Laying aside all malice. Peter would say, be gracious, not malicious. Look at the word deceit. It literally refers to fish hook. You know how you bait a fish hook? You bait it. It's a trap or a trick, which are all various forms of deception. It's a deliberate attempt to mislead, trick, snare, or bait other people by telling lies. It is a desire to gain advantage or preserve position by, by deceiving others, to get the better of another by cunning deception. Think about that. When Jesus was hung on the cross, Matthew says this, the, the, the tax collector who God saved. Then the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and they plotted together to seize Jesus by deceit and kill him. It was very commonplace back in those those days, when Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him in John 1, he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Because most business practices back in those days were run by deceit. Genesis 27 uh, records the story of a family. He says, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. As a fisherman, Peter would have understood the word deceit, which literally means to bait the hook. When Peter wants to describe Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Then you see the word envy. Envy is the resentment of someone else's prosperity or giftedness or blessings. When your neighbors do well, are you happy for them? When the person at work gets the, gets the uh, promotion and you don't, are you happy for that person or do you envy that person? It means not just wanting what another person has, but also resenting that that person has it. It's an attitude of ill will and jealousy that leads to division and strife and even murder. One writer called envy the last sin Christians will confess because it is so ugly. Envy is jealousy at the success of others or happiness at another's misfortune. Envy is one of the sins that was behind the crucifixion. The chief priest delivered Jesus up because of envy. And then notice down here, evil speaking. That means to shoot people with words. Alexander County. Isn't it amazing? A hundred plus churches. A hundred plus churches. Now listen to this. A hundred plus churches. And look at how people talk to each other on social media in this county. The majority of people, I, I, I don't know for sure, the majority of people would probably say they're Christians. It's going to be hard for you to bash your brother or sister in Christ, online especially, for the whole world to see, and then go to church and worship. Or even to pick up your Bible and to get help and hope that you need. It's just going to be really hard to do that. That's why Peter says, lay it aside. He says, put it away, the sins that stunt your growth. The verb is in the aorist tense, which refers to a once and for all break from sin. He says to do it urgently, decisively, and completely. You need to lay aside the sins, the sins that stunt your spiritual growth. And then the final things he says is this. Notice, taste and see that the Lord is good. Notice what Peter says. He says, if indeed you have tasted the Lord, that the Lord is gracious. If. 
And I would ask you, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Have you given your life to Jesus? I was, it was October 30th, 1990, when God saved me by his grace. And before God saved me, there was no tasting of the Lord. I went to church, but it was not a desire to go to church. I went to church just because I was dating uh, somebody. We eventually got married. It turned out okay. But listen, I had no desire to read God's word before God saved me. I did. Hey, I read everything. I was a decent, I was a decent student, made, made the dean's list, community college, doing pretty well. Never read anything, spiritually speaking. Then God saved me on a Tuesday night, and I tasted the goodness of the Lord. And then church became just something I couldn't miss. Even people are like, are you all right? I mean, it, it didn't just change where I went on Sundays and Wednesdays. It changed places I didn't go back to, amen? Why? Because I tasted the goodness of the Lord. And God changed my life. I couldn't do that on my, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. God, I tasted it. I loved it. David says in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good for yourselves. When you taste God and his goodness, it is better than all earthly pleasures. That's why Jesus says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. It is more precious than anything else. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember that the peace that God gave you? Have you ever tasted it? Once you taste it, if you truly taste it, you don't want to go back. I know there's a temptation to go back, but you don't want to go back. Remember growing up, talking about food. Growing up at my home, we just didn't eat breakfast. A lot of people don't eat breakfast. We never ate breakfast at my house. Never. And then for dinner, like in, in summertime, you ate a lunch meat sandwich. Do they still do lunch meat? I don't know. We'd eat a lunch meat sandwich and a bag of chips. And then at night, if we were lucky, we'd have chip beef gravy and rice, right? Or another lunch meat sandwich. That's it. Okay? But when I went to my grandmother's house, my goodness, what a difference. For breakfast, you had pancakes the size of the pan. You had a lot of butter, about a half a stick of butter. Syrup, yes, what you had at grandma's house. Then you'd have bacon, like a bunch of bacon, like, like it should be, right? Like we'll have in heaven, okay? At dinner time, we had fried potatoes that she cut up and fried in the pan with Crisco grease, right? The good stuff. And you get them a little burnt, because they're better crunchy, and a grilled cheese sandwich, mayonnaise. And then for supper, everybody sat at that big old square table. Homemade biscuits that Grandma made by hand, all right? Pinto beans, beets, and mayonnaise. If you put beets and pintos and mayonnaise, and that's really good, people. And then you had either chicken, chicken and dumplings. You had all this stuff. Every meal you had it, right? And you had to eat it, okay? And then Grandma would want you to eat more. And then she either had a strawberry pie every day or a rhubarb pie. Anybody remember rhubarb? You ate that every day. So when mom would come to get me and my brother, of course we weren't stupid. We would hide. We didn't want to go back home. Why would you leave grandma's house, right? And she wanted you to keep eating and eating and eating, okay? Listen, when I got saved, and nobody's perfect, right? When I got saved, ultimately, ultimately, I don't care what happens in my life. I don't want to go back to that guy. Do you? You want to go back to pre-salvation person? Well, you're giving up everything if you do that. 
Paul told the church at Galatia, he says, why would you lay aside the grace of God to go back to the law? What are you doing? Why would you do that? And listen, Peter is writing to people that at this time or maybe close to the future are going to go through some, historically speaking, some very hard times. And what Peter is saying is this, now grow up. Grow up. You better love each other because time is going to come and you're going to need each other more than you ever have. Because persecution was starting. History tells us people started losing their jobs. And then there was this great wave of persecutions that happened to Christians not long after Peter wrote this. Now, I'm going to tell you something, church. I've been pastoring here since 2005, been, a, been, a, been a, 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 on staff here since 2002. And every year there's tragedy here. Every year. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be really hard to grow up when tragedy strikes. Now, tragedy will grow you up. But the people I've seen that have handled tragedy the best were grown-ups when it happened. I'm just telling you, we're grown-ups when it happened. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how some of these people in this church have been through hard times and still love Jesus, still love the church, still faithful, still serve, and I say, God bless you. It's just amazing to me. And it's helped me as a Christian just to grow spiritually just by walking through tragedy with you. And I'm telling you, it's coming to somebody here. It always does, does it not? It's just life. And Peter is telling these people that he loves so much, it's time to grow up. Stop talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop envying your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop being deceitful to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And like newborn babies, again, desire the pure milk of the word. I shared this Friday at, at, at the funeral. And I want you to listen to this lady's uh, testimony of what happened when her husband died. I read this, and I was just sitting there going, this is amazing. This is just amazing. And this is, this is what happened to this lady when her husband died. Listen to this. She said, my husband was killed instantly in a head-on collision, leaving me with a two-year-old son and a three-month-old nursing baby girl. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? She said, I was devastated. My husband and I were madly in love when it happened and living on top of the world. He had just started his dream job, feeling confident and excited. Our family was healthy, happy, and eagerly anticipating our unfolding prosperity. Now listen to what she says. I appreciate her honesty. After his death, my soul bled profusely like a severed limb, and I needed a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. I grasped at anything the world that would bring comfort. I read many wonderful books about grief, heaven and peace, and they were all excellent material, but none of them seemed to address the wound. It occurred to me that the Bible, the unadulterated Word of God, had always been the book I turned to when I had problems in my life, but I found hesitancy in my heart. I felt like a wounded lamb, helpless, hurting, and mistrusting of anything, even the Good Shepherd. Part of me was afraid of God. I knew that this tragedy had happened under His sovereign will. How could I trust Him if He would allow such a thing? If I trusted my life with him, would he let something like this happen again? Did he really care about me? Those dark fears battled me internally for a, for a few extremely hard months. Now, she's being very honest. Very honest. It's okay to be that way. But awareness of my own sinful nature made me afraid of myself. God had been faithful to me my whole life. He had shown himself to me many times in many ways. Would I be like the children of Israel who praised him after miracles and then build idols when faced with trials. 
I prayed that he would increase my faith and give me back the trust that I so longed to embrace. I was like the man who said to Jesus, I believe, only help my unbelief. Is that not a good prayer? Christians, I want to tell you something. That's a good prayer. When you're going through hard times and say, Jesus, I believe in you, I just don't understand all this. You're going to have to strengthen my faith. What a tremendous prayer. She says, grief is a battleground and the word of God is a weapon. Did you hear that? Grief is a battleground and the word of God is a weapon. It's a sword meant to help us fight the spiritual battles of which grief, in my opinion, can be the greatest. The Bible tells us that we'll go through tests of faith. It is something all true believers will face, and we cannot fight without the appropriate weaponry. As I read the Bible, every question I had, every fear, every hope of purpose was answered. It gave me comfort and understanding. I had renewed hope and peace that will come from nowhere else but God and his word. Let me ask you a question, church. How are your relationships? Let me ask you this question, church. Are you growing? And then this is for all of us. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? I'm going to ask your musicians to come. If you'll stand with us with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. If you're here today and verse 1 of chapter 2 applies to you, I would encourage you to be as honest with yourself and with the Lord as you ever have been right now, and I would encourage you to repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Say, Lord, I have shown malice. I have envied others. Lord, I have been deceitful. And Lord, today I lay all that aside. That's one of the most spiritually mature things you can do in a church service is to admit to yourself, not to anybody else. But to the Lord, Lord, this has been me. And then, Christian, let me ask you a question. Are you growing? There's no spiritual growth apart from his word. And apart from that, there's not going to be a lot of spiritual growth apart from God's family, the local church. And I would encourage you to uh, today to make a commitment to spend time in God's word. And then let me ask you this. Have you tasted the Lord? Have you given your life to Jesus? I was 20 years old. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can do that today. You can do that now. You can come to this altar during this invitation time. And we have staff that can help you. Let me pray for us. Father, as we come to your prayer, we want to thank you for this day, for your word. Father, I realize that at this invitation time, Lord, that there are many people that are hurting, that have been through some very deep, dark days. And Father, I want to thank you for the help that you're going to give them. I want to thank you for the word of God that we can always cling to and look to. And Father, I pray that you'd extend incredible grace in their lives. Father, forgive us when we treat people in ways that you wouldn't. And Father, help us to cast aside childish behavior. And then Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that's never tasted and seen that you're good, that today would be their day of salvation. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning.
and thank you so much for being here today. If you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus and you'd like to talk with me or the staff about it, we're waiting around after church. We'd love to talk with you about that or anytime this coming week. I want to tell you that I love you. Honored to be your pastor. I hope you'll be back here tonight. Services start at 5 p.m. Awana Student Ministry. Also, we have a Bible study in the Co-Ed 6 classroom. Hope to see you then. God bless you, and you're dismissed. Hope you have a great day.